Hi, and thank you for joining us again on the Pennsylvania Budget and Policy Center podcast. I'm John Nura, Communications Director for PVPC, and joining us again today is Business Forward Foundation President Jim Doyle. Jim is going to talk to us about a new report from the Business Forward Foundation entitled Answering America, the Business Case Against Trump's Agenda. Jim, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. Uh, It's great to be here. Thank you. So first, can you give listeners a refresher on the Business Forward Foundation and the work that you all do? Sure. Uh, Business Forward helps local business leaders across the country uh, brief mayors, governors, Congress, the administration, and the men and women running for president on issues that affect their businesses like taxes, trade, infrastructure, health care. Um, it's a way for them to share best practices, ask questions, make recommendations with policymakers. It's for people who care about politics and policy but have a business to run and not a lot of time. And for people who want to do more, we'll help them write op-eds, we'll help them uh, work with local media, we'll help them organize other business leaders in their in their communities, uh, and we'll also collect their testimony and we'll present it to uh, government bodies. It's, it's our way of getting local business leaders involved in a way that's meaningful and really efficient. So your most recent report, Answering America, the business case against, against Trump's agenda, uh, argues that this administration's policies are not, as is often put forward, business friendly and good for the economy. As I read it, you know, what I thought was, we have Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of weeks, and um, we live in we live in quite contentious times when it comes to sort of the political debate and the political dialogue, um, and and that is uh, often the case when families get together for a holiday like Thanksgiving. But I thought that the report itself takes a very uh, rational and reasonable approach to ten critically important questions. The sort of the real kinds of questions that we should be discussing uh, at a place like the Thanksgiving table with our families. Um, and the report, it, it, it goes through this with 10 questions, 10 big picture questions. Can you talk to us about the genesis of the report, You know uh, why you put it together and, and sort of why do it in this format also, which I thought was interesting? Right. So uh, th- this report is the product of the briefings we do around the country with business leaders and policymakers. These are the questions that they ask most. Uh, the answers we provide are the arguments that speak to them, and we tend to use uh, sources that uh, that they trust most. And in many cases, it's conservative think tanks, it's it's conservative media, it's Republican members of Congress. Uh, our goal is to try to uh, help uh, make the business case for affordable uh, health care and for climate action and other issues. Uh, and we do that with the help of input from business leaders around the country. We talk a lot about the business case at Business Forward, and, and, and maybe a few examples would help. If, if you filled your living room with a cross-section of America uh, and asked about immigration, there'd be a few people on the left who would say, we need mass amnesty. There'd be a few people on the right who would say, we need mass deportation. And there'd be a bunch of people in the middle who would say, I like immigrants. What do they mean for my wages, for my tax bill? If you ask about climate, there'd be a few people on the left who would say, we have to do whatever it takes, no matter what the cost. We have a moral uh, obligation to our grandkids. There'd be a couple people on the right who would say, if we spend a dime, we're going to wreck the economy. And there are a bunch of people in the middle looking around saying, I believe in climate change. Can we afford to fix it? 
um, you know, issue after issue, there are people in the middle and they're asking some pretty simple questions. And when you ignore those questions, you get gridlock. And when you shame people for asking those questions, you lose Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Um, and I think what we're trying to do with this report is get away from the, the shaming that goes on um, at most cable news uh, and really try to answer these very reasonable questions. That is, Donald Trump won uh, because a lot of his ideas were popular, like building a wall and pulling out of NAFTA and saving coal. And it's perfectly reasonable for people across Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Iowa, and Ohio, the five states we cover in this report, to be asking, are we full? Will a wall make us safer? Um, at the same time, we're three years in, and now a lot of people are asking uh, about Trump's record. So the, the new questions are, uh, did I benefit from Trump's tax cut? Uh, are we winning these trade wars? Can he bring those manufacturing jobs back? And so what we've done is we've come up with answers to 10 questions um, that, that, that um, you know, these are the questions in our opinion that are going to shape the, not just the campaign, uh, but also shape the future of the country, uh, whether we can, you know, build momentum and, and the consensus in favor of some really hard political reforms that America needs to pass if we're going to remain economically competitive. So we can't go through every single item uh, in the report on this podcast. So mm -hmm. I suggest that folks check it out for themselves. We'll put a link in the show notes to the report. But I do want to pull out a couple of things that you all hit on that we've talked about on this podcast. Um, first, the, the Trump tax cuts. Over and over, we hear this held up as one of the reasons that people um, you know, should stick by the Trump administration through all their trials and tribulations because the tax cuts are so good for the economy, so good for working families. So, um, how how did you all approach the the Trump the Trump tax cuts? Sure, um, uh, and yeah, and the report's available at businessfwd.org. Uh, uh, that's businessfwd.org, and you can you can download it. Um, it's it's about 140 pages. Uh, bars and charts, uh, not a lot of language, just you know, just the facts um, for people who want to figure out how to answer these ten questions. But with with taxes, this is one of the most important questions to ask because um, you know, uh, chances are everyone everyone listening to this show got a tax cut, but chances are uh, everyone listening to this got screwed. And um, what we found is if you just rattle off a bunch of numbers. It's hard for people to process it. You really have to walk through not just what happened, but how it happened. So the headline's pretty clear. The top 1% got 27% of the pie. Together with the next 4%, the top 5% took 51% of the pie. The top 20% got about 80% of the pie, which means that 80% of America is, is, is sharing a, a little bit more, about a, a quarter of the pie. And if you don't see it, it's, it's hard to appreciate what that means. But what that tells you is the middle 26 to 20 percent of America, 41 to 60 percentile in terms of uh, household income, uh, got uh, about 9 percent of the pie, um, substantially less than just the, the, just the 1 percent. So um, the, the wealthy people benefited the most. Um, and now Trump wants to pay for it by cutting Medicaid, Medicare and Social Security. Uh, Trump tax plan cost 1.9 trillion. Uh, Trump wants to cut uh, Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security by about 1.65. So those are a lot of numbers. And if you're predisposed to like Trump, uh, and if you notice that you got a, a tax cut, 
it's, it may not be enough to, to, um, to convince you. What, what we find works is to explain how he did it. Uh, how, how do you get a tax cut that Trump promised would be for the middle class? Tr- Trump made two promises. He said this will be a middle class tax cut and the rich won't benefit. So how did it turn out that the top 1% got 27% of the pot? Well, the reason why it happened, it, it was by design. There are certain kinds of income that the rich earn that the middle class can't afford. They earn their money differently. It's capital gains. It's um, uh, appreciation uh, uh, of, uh, of, of corporate stock. It's, uh, it's inheritances. Uh, half of American wealth is inherited, by the way. I didn't know that before we wrote this report. Um, their dividends and everything else. So what, what Trump was able to do with his tax plan is to favor the kinds of income that rich people uh, earn and, and middle class families don't. And that's what's really driving the disproportionate impact on this. So, you know, just an example of, of um, the corporate tax cut. Corporate tax cut was 1.3 uh, trillion of the 1.9 trillion total tax cut. Um, more than half of, uh, only, only about half of America actually owns stock. Uh, it turns out that Chinese and French and British uh, owners of U.S. stocks got substantially more money from Trump's tax cut than the middle 20% of America did because they own more stock. Uh, So uh, another thing is that that, uh, Trump promised uh, that this would be a small business tax cut. And there was uh, the provisions in the tax cut called pass-through provisions. Well, it turns out that the top 1% businesses earning more than a million dollars got 44% of the pie. Um, so, and how they do that? Well, it's the way they define pass-through, the way they design the law. So, this is a this is a tax bill that gave the bulk of the value to the top five percent, and is going to make the middle class pay for it with cuts to Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security. Uh, and you can't, you, you're not going to be able to convince your your neighbor or your 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 brother-in-law uh, at Thanksgiving. If you, if, uh, if, if, if the best way to be able to convince them is to be able to explain not just what he did, but how he did it. Let me also second your uh, the point that you made about the um, pretty charts and graphs in the report. I thought the report is very nicely laid out, by the way. So it is not at all uh, as overwhelming as a 150 or so page report yeah. might, <laughs> might, might sound. Yeah. So um, definitely take a look because yeah. I think you guys did a great job um, with with those. Yeah. Um, and actually, so, so, and just to that point, thank, thank yeah. you, John. So every, every, every question is about 10 slides. And, um, but we're also producing minute long videos that you'll be able to see on the website and 13 second GIFs. So, uh, one page infographics. Um, there's a, there's an executive summary that boils down every question to one slide. And if, if people are busy, that's more than enough to get you through your Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> well, and you, so you, you certainly know exactly how people like yeah. to uh, get their content these days. So that that's mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I wanted to turn for a second to to trade, and again, this is another mm-hmm. area that uh, Trump likes to highlight as a way in which he's fighting for the little guy. And this is it's very complicated. I think that's one of the one of the problems is because it's so complicated. Um, it, it makes it easier for the Trump administration to, uh, I think, convince folks that they are working on their behalf when it comes to these trade wars. So how did you guys attack uh, um, the issue of trade in the report? 
Well, so a well-run trade war is expensive. It raises prices, which lowers profits and hurts job growth and 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 and, and uh, exports. Um, what Trump is doing is a trade war by tweet, uh, which is creating all sorts of uh, terrible collateral damage. And what we do is we we try to explain it. There's the initial tariffs that we placed on incoming products, which raises the prices you and I pay for all the goods and also makes it tough for companies that export. So if you put a tariff on U.S. Uh, on steel imported into the U.S., you make it tougher for automakers to build cars here and export them abroad. Um, but then then our trading partners retaliate. And the one thing that people don't appreciate uh, uh, as, as much as they should is when our trading partners retaliate against us, they're, they're trying to hurt the industries that matter most to us. So we passed, we put tariffs to protect our steel companies and foreign countries put tariffs on our autos, our aerospace and our agriculture. You know, those are really important industries for us. So now, you know, was that part of the initial strategy? No, it wasn't. We were trying to help steel. And then what ends up happening is we hurt agriculture, autos, and aerospace. And then what you have to factor in is they retaliate against us, then we retaliate against them, and then they, they retaliate right back. So you get this escalation, which creates all sorts of collateral damages affecting industries like whiskey and denim and wine and all sorts of things that really, you know, didn't, I don't think Trump ever expected that the trade war to get to, to where it's gotten. And when, when, when things get to be such a mess, uh, businesses are less likely to invest. So not only are we paying more for products, not not only are we exporting less, but the companies that we rely on for job growth are so freaked out by the trade war that they won't invest in U.S. plants and equipment. And if you look at the Business Roundtable, which is a nonpartisan business group that happens to be run by a lot of Republicans and support Republican policies generally, what they show is CEO economic outlook has been dropping steadily quarter after quarter of this of this trade uh, deal, this trade war, uh, and so are capital expenditures. It's he's he's created such a mess that he's hurting investment, and that has a huge impact on our long term uh, competitiveness. So you know the, the the simplest way to talk about trade war is to show that you know it's it's um, um, uh, is that it's it's having a huge impact on our long term competitiveness. And one of the reasons why it is is because Trump got it backward. If 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 Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton were president today and they were uh, negotiating with the Chinese, they would be focused on our most important industries and the biggest problems those industries face. They'd be trying to open up new markets for our farms. They'd be trying to you know maintain uh, competitive markets for our autos. They'd be looking at our services industries. That's where they'd be focused. Trump walked into this to help some of our smaller, more vulnerable in industries like steel. And the retaliation against our big companies has meant that our biggest, most important industries are getting burned to try to help our smaller ones. It, it just doesn't make sense. So uh, when you talk about the the family table at Thanksgiving, uh, potentially mm -hmm. the most controversial uh, of issues that you tackle is immigration. So, uh, right. you know, in building, in building the wall and the, the, and the thing that I think you, it's hard sometimes to get to, uh, again, a rational conversation, um, 
but but you said this to me earlier, which is that you you know this is a it's a fair question. What is the economic impact uh, of immigration, right? It, and this notion that hey, we're full, um, you know, the country's full, um, is is actually you know is a reasonable question. Um, and but you also talk in the report about uh, a sort of a pivot to a conversation about more pressing infrastructure needs, which at one point. Right actually was a topic of conversation in Washington um, over the last couple of months, and it seems to have quieted down. In fact, I, I felt like it was infrastructure week with the Trump administration you know, every, <laughs> every week for, uh, you know, a couple of months. And for, you know, that, that, that has certainly not been, uh, you know, priority number one in Washington. Can you talk about how you all approach the you know the question of immigration and building the wall and are we full but then also how that right. is really a conversation about infrastructure needs sure so so there again what you want to do is you want to you know focus on the question that you know your neighbor or your colleague is asking and it's either it relate you know there 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 are two there are two arguments that we try to cover the one is uh, do we need to, to build a wall? Will a wall make us safer? And the second one is, is America full? Do we actually have room for immigrants? So we'll start with the wall first. The important thing is everyone agrees that we need to secure our borders. There's nobody out there uh, for, for open borders. There's just a smarter, cheaper way to do it. And the, the way to uh, that we find most uh, effective is to cite Republican Congressman Bill Hurd. He's a former CIA agent. His, his district covers roughly 820 miles of the border. So if there is a person in Congress who knows more about how to secure the border than Bill Hurd, I, I haven't met, uh, haven't met him or her. So what Bill Hurd suggests is a $1 billion plan to use the latest technology to secure the border. It's sensors and drones and patrols. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's what, he, what he argues is the most effective way to keep drugs and criminals out. What Trump has proposed is a wall from, uh, which, which he, uh, which Hurd calls expensive and the least effective way to do border security. You know, you can get in the weeds and you can point out the fact that most of the bad guys and the drugs cross our borders on boats, on planes, and over highways, not across the desert. But I think the easiest way to, to talk about it is just to point to Bill Hurd and what he would like to do. So we could have a better border for one thirtieth the cost if we follow the Bill Hurd plan than the Donald Trump plan. Um, what, what's happened though is that it's frankly, if, if this were just about blowing $29 billion we don't need to spend, it'd be bad, but it wouldn't be as bad as it really is. And, and that's because what Donald Trump has done is he's used the wall, um, uh, in order to try to get the wall funded, he's holding up infrastructure. So, uh, we have about $4.5 trillion to spend on infrastructure over the next 10 years. We've budgeted about two and a half trillion of that, which means we have a two trillion dollar shortfall. Um, and three years into the uh, Trump administration, we still don't have a bill. He has not proposed a bill to, uh, for a comprehensive infrastructure plan. And his draft plan, uh, which again, no legislation yet, is just 200 billion. So he's basically covering about 10% of what we need to spend uh, in order to just fix what's broken. Um, and what he's done time and time again is held up infrastructure as a bargaining chip uh, to to get leverage for his wall, um, and um, and and if if, you know, if we've got tweets and his own tweets in the report to sort of explain it. So 
Uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to the wall, uh, you know, there are cheaper, better ways to secure the border. Um, and there are better things to spend $30 billion on, like river levees and across the, up and down the Mississippi, uh, or bridges across, um, uh, the Ohio River. Uh, there are all sorts of ways to do it. In terms of immigration, again, it's, it's perfectly reasonable for, for people to ask, are we full? Uh, and the, the answer is no. In fact, you know, most of our communities are shrinking. Uh, we're getting older as a nation. And we are, ent- a lot of our communities are entering a very damaging negative cycle. What happens? I'm from, I'm you know, from Michigan. Um, uh, this, this broadcast is in Pennsylvania. Both states are among the oldest in the country. They're aging faster than the rest, rest of the country. It's affecting small business formation in the state. It's also causing some of our best and brightest in the state to move elsewhere. So you know, New York, um, Pennsylvania and, and Michigan are suffering from brain drain a lot more than other, other countries. Uh, all those great grads from Penn State and the University of Michigan are leaving town. So uh, what ends up happening is, for particularly for, for rural communities, is you have fewer workers. There are lower tax revenues. That leads to less public investment in infrastructure and schools. That leads to lower property values. That leads to less business investment, and that encourages more people to leave. So you create this negative cycle that is really hard to break. Um, immigrants are really the only way to break the negative cycle. Uh, you know, and and if you, know, you you don't need to talk about you know the evils of child separation at the border, you can quote the Business Roundtable again. I, I talked about them earlier. It's a nonpartisan trade group that's run by a lot of Republicans and generally supports Republican policies. If you want to appreciate just how extreme Donald Trump's proposals are, you just compare the difference between the BRT plan and the Trump plan. The BRT plan, which is a balanced, you know, pro-security, pro-business, you know, law and order kind of immigration reform bill, would grow our economy by about 830 billion over 10 years and create about 8.4 million jobs. The Donald Trump plan, restrictive plan, is you know could cost our economy 640 billion. Or seven and seven million jobs. So the 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 swing between a moderate Republican proposal and what Donald Trump wants to do is about 1.5 trillion dollars and 15 million jobs. So there's no need to talk about um, you know uh, child separation and 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 and, and more the uh, to people who are really focused on jobs and GDP. Just show them the difference between what what a moderate Republican would do and what Donald Trump wants to do. And, and just to hit on something that you mentioned there, Jim, um, in a state like Michigan or a state like Pennsylvania, for sure, where you have a rapidly aging population, one of the only industries that is growing in lots of parts of the state is is the healthcare industry, where there are jobs open right. that they that cannot be filled fast enough, and that's because of that aging population. You have a gerontological problem where you need more uh, folks willing to take on. Um, jobs in the healthcare industry taking care of our our aging population, and oftentimes that is a role that is filled by new immigrants um, in in communities all across Pennsylvania. We know that that is the case, and that that is a problem that is not going away anytime soon in these Rust Belt states. Yeah, well, and and, and just to put some numbers to that, uh, so Pennsylvania um, ranks 44th in median uh, age. Uh, it's 39th in population growth. It's 48th in business dynamism, which is just a general general indicator from 
a, a very respected think tank on small business formation and economic vitality. It, uh, Pennsylvania ranks uh, 48th, um, third to last. Uh, on brain drain, you, uh, Pennsylvania ranks 40th. Uh, you're, you're losing, you're losing people. Um, and they're going to Nevada, they're going to California, they're going to Massachusetts. Um, for, uh, for the difference between uh, a moderate Republican plan and, and the Trump restrictive plan is $50 billion over the next 10 years and about 483,000 jobs. You know, it's just the differences are enormous. And if we don't bring more immigrants in, it's going to be particularly bad for rural areas that uh, need help most. So I, finally, I wanted to be sure to hit on one of the takeaways from the report, which is that you highlight one thing in particular that could be done to sort of jumpstart the economy writ large. Um, and it actually it has to do with working women. Uh, and right. I should I should note the bipartisan support that you all show uh in the report for women-friendly policies. Um, so can you, can you explain that takeaway? Yeah, sure. So, um, so th these, these, this report is based on the questions we hear at briefing. So uh, are we winning these trade wars? Uh, can we fix our economy without, rec can, we, can we fix climate without wrecking the economy? These are the kind of questions we get asked. Um, at every briefing, uh, someone, uh, uh, not every briefing, but nearly every briefing, someone will say, well, what's the one big thing we can do to fix our economy? Um, and the answer is support women. So women are overrepresented in low-paying jobs. Uh, they're underrepresented in high-paying jobs. They're overworked at home, and they're undermined at the office. And, and if we could close that gap, if we could give families more support so it's easier to plan and raise a family, uh, so that women were, you know, were um, uh, both participating in the workforce more and participating in higher paying jobs, we could grow the economy dramatically. There, there's such a big force in our economy, it's, it's half the population. So there are a number of really smart uh, consulting firms and banks that have looked at this, uh, Citigroup, McKinsey and Company, S&P Global, and they all put the, the, the lost, uh, the, the cost of the, the gender gap at between one trillion and one point six trillion dollars a year. In other words, if we just made it easier for women to stay in the workforce and succeed in the workforce, our economy would be one trillion bigger this year. Um, and you know the, the the way to do that is to offer them more family planning support, reproductive health care, birth control, uh, help with child care costs, uh, sensible family leave pro policies, promote equal pay, uh, address workplace harassment. And, and government can either either help uh, women or it can it can it can hurt them. And uh, what the Republican uh, uh, Republicans in Congress and President Trump are trying to do is 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 actually to hurt working women. They're restricting family planning and reproductive health care. Uh, they cut off funding for child care uh, and um, you know not address family leave for the kind of uh, for the smaller companies. Uh, they resist equal pay and workplace harassment reforms. Uh, they're, they're actually going in the absolute wrong direction. And it's a huge impact on our economy. And one thing you know, to, to sort of put this in context is um, our competitors, uh, other, other you know, advanced economies, get this. They, they support families three times more than we do as a share of GDP. Um, and uh, it's had a big impact on our ranking. We used to be among the highest performing countries in terms of 
the, the progress women were making in the work, workforce. Uh, today, we rank 20th out of 22 uh, organized uh, or advanced economies in the country. So if, if we wanted to do one thing to fix the economy, it would be to invest more in child care and family leave, um, uh, better reproductive health care or more accessible um, and uh, to help uh, protect women from sexual harassment in the workplace. And instead of going in that direction, uh, Donald Trump is going in the opposite direction. The new report is Answering America, the business case against Trump's agenda. Uh, and you can find that. We'll put it in show notes, but you can also find it at businessfwd.org. Jim Doyle, president of the Business Forward Foundation. Thanks so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to talk with us. We really, really appreciate it. John, thanks thanks uh, uh, for having me. And uh, we've got other reports that are uh, about uh, Pennsylvania. We just produced a report called, um, uh, it's, on, it's on the climate, it's on climate change. And what we've done is we've uh, uh, collected uh, uh, warnings about climate change from some of Pennsylvania's biggest companies. Uh, and we, and we use those warnings to explain to people how climate change is affecting commodity prices, supply chains, plants and equipment, and consumer demand. Um, for people who are sick of listening to politicians debate uh, climate change, uh, our report is, is refreshing. And again, it's the kind of uh, information that people can use uh, when they're at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Uh, we also have a report called Pennsylvania's Not Full, which uh, looks at the immigration issues that uh, you and I just talked. And if there's anybody listening who uh, has questions and wants more information about Pennsylvania, just email us at info at businessfwd.org. And again, that the URL to get all of those great reports is businessfwd.org. Jim, thanks so much again. Thanks everybody for listening as well. Don't forget, you can check out our website, krc-pbpc.org. There you can find links to our Facebook page or Twitter account, policy papers and memos and links to more podcasts just like this one. And don't forget, you should subscribe to this podcast if you're listening on Apple iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you again next week.